It's a shame that this movie is not getting bigger press. If the movie you think I'm talking about is Sonic the Hedgehog, fuck you and turn this podcast off right now. I'm talking about Birds of Prey, starring the Margot Robbie and Rosie Perez. I know, weird, it's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Out of a building. Yes, it was very exciting. But tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you. That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited. I'm so. <laughs> we don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Rider's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland. We're talking about Birds of Prey. And to help me with this is a returning guest, one of my favorite people in the world, the creator of the Is It Transphobic podcast and Scowl, which she will talk about in a bit, Ashley Lauren Rogers. Hi, my friend. Hi, how are you? Good. I am so excited. I'm so excited you want to talk about this movie. Um, I'm shocked I'm doing it as soon as I am. <laughs> well, I I saw this uh, a few days ago. Like, we saw this, basically, my wife and I went out for our Valentine's Day. Like, we, we never celebrate Valentine's Day on the day. So we went out for Valentine's Day uh, a few days later to see this movie. And as much as, no, it's not about building a relationship. It's not like a rom-com. It's not anything about that. It deals with relationships in such a way and love that is not necessarily about romantic love but is about how to get over when you're when you think you're in a romantic situation and oh oh yeah well originally the movie that we were going to do instead of this was going to be about time which is about a romantic love a father-son relationship and a sibling relationship all in one and then I saw this movie, and I was like, Harley Quinn as a surrogate mother? Yeah, I, I need to talk about this. Oh my god, I love everything about this movie. I, I don't even know where to start talking about it. But I will say I'm, I'm just absolutely in love with this movie, and everyone needs to go see it. And why don't we start off in the place we always start off with the blockbuster rule. You're in a blockbuster video. You're going down the aisle, and the back of this video cassette says... In a paragraph or less. <laughs> yeah. The the back of the video says Harley Quinn and a host of other assorted people from the DC universe uh, f- just fucking live their lives and do amazing things. That is, I'm not pitching this right. <laughs> I feel like it's tough because it's like I, I feel like people who know that they want to go see this movie are already seeing the movie. Yeah. And it's just like, just see it. It's action packed. It's amazing. Like it's, I've only got words. I don't have phrases. It's just, this is such the style in this movie is so, so all its own. Like, (laughs) I I love that they make Gotham city look like a Lizzo music video. (laughs) I don't hear you debating me on that. (laughs) 
no no I, I honestly like i had not heard that and honestly yeah it feels like both a, a lizzo music video but also especially as a new yorker it feels like it doesn't feel like new york but it does feel like it has that new york style and like it still feels like this weird amalgamation of, of new york and almost san francisco which is fascinating. And a little Boston thrown in there. Yeah. Like, it's it definitely, they did a really good job of not making Gotham feel like one place that you already live in, which I do kind of feel like the Nolanverse did. Like, as much as, it's just like, the Nolanverse felt like New York and whatever. But at the same time, like... When it's Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even then. Even then. It's like, but it's still, uh, yeah, I guess it's Chicago, but it feels like New York. Um, with this one, it just, it feels like Gotham is its own place because of a lot of the signifiers of a lot of different other places. And just that whole, like, deli sandwich subplot was so, like, it just, like, yes, as a New Yorker, it's like, yeah, the deli sandwiches are the best sandwiches. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, a bodega sandwich is surprisingly good. And it's it's a bodega and you don't understand why. Why in the same place yeah, where not- I can get a sandwich, condoms, and booze, <laughs> can yeah. I get a really good breakfast sandwich? It's like, look, if you're looking for a really good breakfast sandwich, uh, a Starbucks energy shot, and also some of that Samurai uh, X powder to make sure that you don't have to go out and get a prescription for Viagra, <laughs> all at the same place. And a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> And a pack of cigarettes, or maybe a Lucy, if you can convince them. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, the, so I read a film review, and um, mm. the film critic, she said that this movie is a combination of three films. And when I heard it, I was like, no. And then I thought about it, and I was like, yep, she's right. She said, Clueless? Mm-hmm. Who framed Roger Rabbit without animation? Uh-huh. In Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Speechless, right? That is an interesting combination. Yeah. No, like, I see it. Like, you're right. If you look at just one element of it, it's just like, no, that doesn't make sense. But then you actually watch it, and it's like, okay. There's there's also, like, a little, like, heist heist movie thrown in that I feel like is not represented. Because it's, it's not a heist, but at the same time there's that like heist mechanic, especially of the, the time shifting and seeing things from a different perspective after you've already seen it happen. Like, it's minor, but it's there. So, yeah. It's yeah. a Guy Ritchie movie. Like... Yeah. <laughs> but the, the other thing, and again, like, I'm jumping all over the place just because I want to talk about everything about this movie... Uh, there was an article that I read from Book Riot. Uh, I'm going to look up the author right now as we are speaking. The one you but sent the me? The article. Yeah, the one I sent you. Uh, Jessica Plummer. Yep, Jessica Plummer. And it's called Birds of Prey, Trauma, and the Female Gaze. And I really loved her analysis because it's it's it speaks so much to me about this movie. This idea that, like, it felt in the same way that Mad Max Fury Road did. Where? They took... Yeah, like, they took on violent, action-packed storylines that involve, like, involve a lot of female representation, as well as a lot of issues that are specifically tied to, like, uh, like, specifically, she's talking about them, there's a moment in the film, and spoiler alert, I'm sure everyone already knows if we're going to talk about the movie, we're going to talk about it, but... 
Um, there's a moment where Black Mask uh, forces someone to get up on a table because he is taking out his aggression on her, just some random person, and forcing her friend to physically rip her dress off. But instead of seeing it, like we see the buildup, we see everything that we're supposed to feel not good about, and we're supposed to know that this guy is bad, but at the same time, we don't see her as this, like... It's it's not meant to titillate the way that she put it. Uh, I'm not sexualized. But like, yeah, it's not sexualized and it's not meant to both horrify and titillate, which is a thing that you see in a lot of the the mainstream stories that tackle some sort of something like that. It's more about yes, we're supposed to do that, but we're not going to show it in graphic detail. You know it. You you know this is bad and you know that this is part of the story, but it's not there to horrify you visually. It's not there to make you live in that horror. It's meant to make you feel that horror and process it. Yeah. Uh, Emma Stavinsky from Thrillist, she is a great film critic. She, she said that that scene, the reason why it's so effective and so good is because Kathy Yan is a female mm-hmm. filmmaker and she handled it with the sensitivity that a woman who has to deal with this shit every day. Um, mm-hmm. She she said that on the blank the blank check podcast when they when they covered uh, Birds of Prey last week. But like when mm-hmm. it made me think, I was like, yeah, this is why we need more female filmmakers. We need stronger voices. We need more mm-hmm. minority filmmakers. The fact that um, Marvel is actually. Ah, yes. It, that they're actually now getting more uh, male, uh, not male, um, minority filmmakers, <laughs> male film. <laughs> we need- they're getting more male filmmakers. Wow, yeah, we we don't have enough of them making Marvel films. Uh, we have like uh, <laughs> uh, Dustin. Um, oh my god, what's his name? He did Short Term uh, Twelve. He's doing Shang Chi. We have. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know his name offhand. And honestly, when you say Dustin, my immediate mind goes to Diamond, and I know that's wrong. Um, yeah, Screech made a movie. Uh, and then we have yeah. Chloe Zhao making Eternals. And um, uh, Patty Jenkins is back with Wonder Woman 84. Like, we need these. Yeah, we need these filmmakers to make movies like this. Uh, Dustin Daniel Creedon is. Is oh, okay. Yeah, he uh, he is the guy who made the Glass Castle, Just Mercy. He is an Asian American director and producer, and uh, he's the one who casted what's his name from Kim's Convenience. I God, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Perfect casting. Um, just to kind of because uh, you made you made a point that uh, I agree with. But I also want to add something to, and it was uh, you. You were talking about the uh, the podcast that stated like, "Oh, you can tell that because she comes from this perspective. This is why the film was made and handled in this way." And I agree, but I think it's also the next step is not only like we need to have more people from underrepresented groups making more films and given that platform. Yes, but the next step is also. Like male filmmakers, cis male filmmakers, straight male filmmakers, white male filmmakers, they also need to learn a lot of these lessons. Because sure, if you're 
if your intent is to go out and just horrify an audience, yeah, you can do that. But honestly, that's been the standard. And the standard is moving. I think. Yeah. Todd Phillips. So, yeah, you. Yeah. I, I didn't see Joker. I'm not going to see Joker. Honestly, I don't care. It's fine. <coughs> a film like this comes out and it's like so goddamn good. Yeah. And then opening, yeah. the opening animated scene, I was so glad that they fired Jared Leto. Um, who I've, I've talked to you so many times about how much I can't stand Jared Leto. I think he's let go of Leto. Ugh, yeah, not you, Hollywood, let go of Leto. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the the fact that they used the classic Joker look. What is yeah. Wouldn't you love to see Kathy? Is it Kathy Yan? Yan? Mm. How do you say her? Uh, I haven't looked up how she pronounced. Honestly, I haven't looked up how she pronounces her name. Uh, so I can't say specifically. My assumption is Kathy Kathy Yan. But I would love to see her do Mad Love and tell the abusive relationship story from Harley's perspective. See, I because I. I do agree with you. If we're going to use the Joker, use him in a light like that. I'm done with the Joker. I'm so done with the Joker. Like, I actually love that he, yes, he played a part in this, in the animated part. And then, like, literally when he, like, when Harley is with uh, Cassandra Kane and they're in her apartment, she's got that, like, knife dartboard uh, with his face. And, she, and Cassandra Kane's like, who's that? It's like, oh, you don't know him? He's, you don't know him? And it's just like, no, who the hell is he? It's just like, huh. <laughs> it's like, because Cassandra Kane the entire time has been fangirling about Harley. She saw Harley in Roller Derby, which also Roller Derby plays a part in this whole movie. And it comes back. It's not just, oh, yeah, that was in the comics and it's canonical that Harley was doing Roller Derby. It's like, no, they actually use it effectively in the final fight sequences in the final like third of the movie also i i love that um you as a fan of wrestling i love that that <laughs> the fight in the funhouse feels like a tag team wrestling match oh that fight okay so if we're talking about that fight at the end <laughs> so yeah the barracuda fight holy crap that was good so I'm also a fight director. Sometimes I'm kind of just sort of like new to fight direction, but I've been doing stage combat and fight for a while and like action packed storytelling style as a writer. And so for me, watching that fight, each one of them had a very clearly distinct fighting style. Each one of them was communicating with each other. It was telling the story that we need to protect Cassandra at all costs. And each one of them were able to get their spots, like what we would call, what I would call as a fan of wrestling, spots. Like the moments that you're seeing that you're like, oh, this is a memorable thing. That's a spot. So they each got their spots in. And, oh man, like... (laughs) If we we break down their fighting styles, I would say that, like, Harley is clearly street fighting. Uh, Well, Harley is street fighting, but mixed with acrobatics. Like her whole thing, because they, they did that really well where it was like her whole thing is and she was doing a couple of lucha libre moves throughout the whole thing just like really modified but it's just like oh that's interesting i was about to say Uh, yep (laughs) but yeah she's definitely but renee montoya she is clearly like that krav maga um uh police Mm. department style fighting but my favorite 
was she's also got a little capoeira i was noticing i was like oh my god wait oh no i'm thinking black canary yeah like she has yeah black mm-hmm. canary is capoeira uh, i can't talk today apparently i'm having a stroke <laughs> but black canary was my favorite part of this movie and the fact, mm. the fact do you know who who that was do you know? I remember looking up the name and like I'm completely blanking right now. Remind me who that is. So it's Journey Smollett Bell, who her brother is mm. Jesse Smollett, but she was oh okay. She was mm-hmm. little Denise on Full House. Wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Not just that, but she was also the girl in Jack with Robin Williams, the one who's like, you're a man. You got hairy knuckles. She was the, the sassy kid who, who... It has been so long since I've seen Jack, but I am now that you're describing it, I'm remembering that scene. Yeah, wow. Wow. Good for her. Oh, my God. Yeah, she is amazing. This whole thing is so good. Oh. Oh, and then you've, and then like we haven't even talked about Huntress, but continue because I could go on about Huntress. I was about to say Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Her and her and Journey were like my two favorite things about this movie. I love the scene where she's practicing her catchphrase in the mirror and she keeps messing up, and at the same time they're, <laughs> they're cross cutting with everyone calling her the wrong name. She's like, "Who am I? I'm the crossbow killer. The crossbow killer. Hunt, hunt." Who am I? Huntress. Like, <laughs> so I love Huntress specifically because you could tell, like, the thing is, she was doing all these things and she's very good at her craft and her craft is murdering people with a crossbow and fighting them hand to hand. But everything else is like, I'm Huntress. And it's just like, that is so cool. Like, in any other also movie, hysterical. Like- <clears throat> it's so yeah it's so well, funny well i think part of the reason it's so funny is because we're so used to people like taking the piss out of someone who's because it's like that is an over-the-top name that's ridiculous but at the same time like in a let's say it's a marvel movie with a male protagonist if some dude like i don't know i'm trying to think of like a dude like let's just go with uh chris one of the chris's shows up and he's like i'm the hunter like look at star lord look at star lord like people are just like you're uh and people are taking the piss out of him the whole time and that's like fine that's a joke but honestly because they're just looking at her and she has had so much trauma like in her life and to like finally like get her vengeance and to just be like so single-minded and be able to say yes i've done this and then like she is every sad boy dc movie that they have tried to make and literally she's showing up and everybody is saying the things that dc has wanted them to say about their sad boys and she's just like oh well thank you like oh my god i love it are you familiar with the comics at all <clears throat> honestly i'm not familiar with huntress at all but i am going down a rabbit hole because i'm loving her okay. <laughs> so being a huge comic book nerd like i am i i always loved the birds of prey after the failed uh, WB TV series, <coughs> but her backstory, the original Helena was not Helena Bardinelli. It was Helena Kyle. Our, she, she, mm. she, she, oh, wait. She was the daughter of Batman and Selena Kyle. And yeah. Batman and Selena Kyle were dead at this point, so she took up the mantle. Mm. But then when they redid it in 2004, 
five or six? If I <laughs> Dave Schweitzer's probably the, the listening constant to this. retconning of DC. <laughs> yes. So when they reimagined mm-hmm. it, it with Black Canary looking more like uh, Journey Smollett Bell's character version of it, and um, mm. this way they made her a mafia uh, daughteress, and basically they made her the Bruce Wayne, but from the different perspective of being in a life of crime where she doesn't know mm. right from wrong, but she does enact good. And mm. I, I love that they went with that one and not the, I'm Batman's kid. <laughs> There's enough, there are too many Bat kids. I just like, yeah, like we don't need more Bat kids. They're, they've never really been represented in film, but we don't need them. We're good. Um, they need a Sesame Street style TV show. The Bat Kids mm-hmm. of Gotham Isle. <laughs> What's the letter of today? Justice. <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> yeah, well, when yeah. I said her practicing her uh, name, all I could think of was Michael Keaton mm-hmm. Batman when they're like, who are you? I'm Batman. Yeah. And how much do you want to bet Michael Keaton as an actor did sit in front of a mirror for like an hour trying to perfect, I'm Batman. Like, where, where like, on the opposite side, I just picture George Clooney going like, "I'm Batman, I'm Batman, I'm Batman." Okay, that one, that got it. It's like, all right, I'm Batman, I'm Batman, I'm Batman. I don't know, my character's gay. Fuck it. <laughs> that's that's my George Clooney. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of gay characters, mm-hmm. I love that they made yeah. Roman and Victor Zaz. You read this, Cap- yeah. Kathy Young. Uh-huh. They were lovers. That. And he. Oh, I. You know, I picked up on it, but it wasn't like overt. Yeah. But you have no. You have no basically male representation of basically a straight community. And that's what a lot of people, myself included, love. I love that this represents mm-hmm. every spectrum except for the fan base. And I think that's why the movie isn't mm-hmm. doing that well. Where. Well, let's. Let's also talk about that. But yes, fin- sorry, finish your, your statement. But let's talk about, about that. that. I was saying I was setting you up to, to talk. Yeah. <laughs> That's Perfect. why you can't see my hand. I, I should have put it here. Not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> because, and I need to look up, I'm looking it up right now as we speak, but I need to look up the specific King's numbers. Honest- I remember yeah, you sent like- me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. So we're finding that right now because I I want to provide a lot of the numbers. And again, like I did not compile these. These were compiled uh, by someone else who did a lot of the digging. But everybody is saying that this movie is a flop. This movie is failing. This movie is doing poorly. And yeah, like it's doing fine. It's doing fine, especially considering it's coming out in February. Like February is a rough month for a movie to come out. I think that's because Black Panther set the bar so high now because mm. you have a film that is that comes out in Black History Month with an all African cast with three mm. strong female leads who are doing a majority <coughs> of the work of the movie and it became a billion dollar hit and now they're trying to say well in order for Birds of Prey to do well it has to make a billion dollars. Yeah, and it's just like, no. It was honestly, it was given a very small budget. And again, I'm still looking up the specific numbers right now, but it was given a very small budget. I want to say 30, 
the oh continue the budget, including um, uh, press and and uh, advertisement, <clears throat> was so the movie itself was made for about fifty million dollars, but they totaled it up to about eighty-two million with advertising and and all that stuff. Um, but they're trying mm. to say the advertising budget was another eighty-two million dollars or ninety million dollars, which is not true. It was basically mm. made for. $60 million with an advertising budget of $50 million. So you're looking at $110 million. And it's made that back. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It has, like, ultimately, it depends on what you look at as success. And if your idea of success is that it made money, it did. It's making money. Is it making hand over fist? No. But at the same time, it was really, like, this movie... Yeah. This movie is doing so much better than a lot of these, like, other ones that are, like, it's making money. I don't know how else to say this. Okay, here we go. Uh, Failure is make-believe. So, specifically, this is, this was put together by, on um, Basil Marine R. Chase. This is a, uh, again, like, this. It's a, it's a random blogger. I'm sure that they're wonderful, uh, but they did the work. So, specifically, you brought up this idea of Kingsman. And, da-da-da, budget for Birds of Prey, $75 million. Yep, they're saying $97. Um, da-da-da, and Kingsman Secret Service was, eight, let's see, the budget was $81, $81 million. Male-driven niche action movie that came out in 2014. And I'm reading, this is a quote, uh, and was widely applauded for its surprise performance. Uh, da-da, Kingsman, so... <clears throat> Yep, Birds of Prey 30 pulled in 33 million for opening weekend, Secret Service 36.2 million. So what is the difference? The difference is like uh yeah, I I'm I get so mad when people are talking about how it's under its failure. But okay, to that fact, you can also not yeah. make a sequel to this movie because Yeah. Because People are going to want to see it because of Harley Quinn. They're not going to want to see it. She's no mm-hmm. longer in the group. Spoiler alert. She mm-hmm. leaves She leaves the Beatles at the end. Um, yeah. Which they telegraph in the title, which I think is really impressive. <laughs> like, sorry, I and I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but like they telegraphed that in the title initially before they renamed it in all official presses. But like it was Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinzel. And it's just like, Oh, this was intelligent. Like, they told us in the beginning, she wasn't joining the group. She wasn't starting the group. She was there to create the group and then do her thing. Exactly. Exactly. And another thing um, that I think is brilliant about this movie is they introduce, in my opinion, in the DCEU, Mm -hmm. we've had nothing but shitty villains. Rowan Sionis is one of the best villains we have ever had since Heath Ledger's oh. The Joker. Ewan yeah. McGregor is so good. He is so good. Yeah. And I, I think the reason... Wow. I think the reason why he's so good in this is because he's not afraid to play him as omnipresent. Like, he'll play him mm-hmm. any way he has to. He can be very scary. He can be effeminate. He can be... Apparently, John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever when he starts disco dancing. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's something about McGregor that mm. is just like chef kiss. Mwah. Like, he's so good. 
Well, and and also like a Black Mask as a character, and again, like I don't read a lot of the comics, but I know a lot of specifics. I think it was a very smart thing to include him, like Roman Sionis, and then he's Black Mask also because that's just how <laughs> comics work. Um, but Black Mask was the one. If you've ever heard the term like fridging a character, like that was Black Mask, unless I'm mistaken, that actually like he was also their their main villain. He was their Lex Luthor. Yeah. Their thorn in their mm-hmm. side, and him and, and that tracks. And but they they killed him off. Like spoiler alert. Yeah, he he explodes. Which honestly, super cathartic. Let's talk about that moment for a moment. Because they, so, they don't show him going into the water, and then boom, like he rips mm-hmm. open like a pinata. Oh yeah, no, that's like. This is and this is a thing that Mad Max Fury Road did as well. Like in the the very end of that spoilers for Mad Max Fury Road, um, you had six years. Max, yeah, Max rips off the jaw of uh, what's his butt, um, oh, Joe, Martin Joe, uh, and it's a violent and like they don't shy away from it. It's like a gory scene, but at the same time, it's just like it's there and it's done, but it's clear, and it's just like oh. Yeah, like, you don't have to linger on it. We don't need to see the jaw on the floor. It's just like, boom, like, boom, there it is. Yep, we see it. Ooh, all right. And it's not the first time in this movie that they do that. Because also when Victor... That's true. Any, <clears throat> any person Huntress kills, right away, mm-hmm. arrow to the neck, they're done. Uh, and Victor Zaz, who Christmas seen in this movie. Fuck. <sighs> oh, my God. He's terrifying. <sighs> the... The scene that scared me the most in this movie is, and mm. and a lot of women, um, a lot of film critics, uh, male, female, everyone, mm-hmm. the scene that makes them the most uncomfortable is when he drugs Harley Quinn, when he knocks her, and he licks her yeah. face and she can't do a thing about it. That is mm-hmm. terrifying. In, in this climate, this culture, to show that in such a way where then she gets her revenge on him when she like mm-hmm. slowly gets her, her limbs back and she starts stabbing him and then she just because at first she's just like very weak and then she's just going to town mm-hmm. on his neck like it's so empowering well and and I think because I think a lot of people would look at that scene and say like oh well they went too far they did the thing they did the thing that you you, you Ashley have said that they don't do but in a lot of ways, they earn it because they're not focusing on it all the time. They focused visually, they focused on it as long as they needed to. And there is an immediate, immediate uh, turnaround. It's not like that's in the very beginning of the movie. So we're sitting with that and it's just like, ah, uh, let's like we have an immediate release on that. Uh, and again, like they've built up that that's not what this movie is throughout. And for some people, that still might be too much. But honestly, because they've almost made that social contract with us that the movie is not going to push you further than we feel like you can take. And if we do, we're going to give you a payoff pretty much immediately. And I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And this movie's rated R. And yeah. I, I feel that just because it's rated R, I feel that young girls need to see this movie. I would say like 12 and up mm. should see this movie because... 
I, I definitely recommend having someone see it first, but at the same time, it's definitely one of those R-rated movies. Like, I watched R-rated movies when I was young. Like, you know, you'd have somebody, like, rent it, and we'd all sit around and, like, watch it, and, like, oh, like, but I, I think that's definitely on the list of, yeah, this is a good one if you're going to watch. Like, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was only thinking about that, because in the theater I was in, mm. it was mainly a whole bunch of, you know, white dudes, mm. and then a group yeah. of a mother brought her like uh, daughter and her like six friends, and they were like mm. twelve. And I was mm. like, they need to see this movie because it's important. They can be vigilantes, they can be superheroes, mm. and they can stand up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, 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 we're living in a time where people need to stand up more. They need to fight more. Mm. And like, it's weird for me to say that on on this podcast when like with my film reviews i don't mind saying that in this one i'm always like hey fart jokes and (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about boners everybody it's time for the writer's boner basket no um (laughs) that's the t-shirt writer's boner basket there you go uh Yeah, no, and I I do completely agree, and actually it was uh, very controversial that this was rated R before it came out, because people hadn't seen what it was, and hearing Zaz and Black Mask were both in it, it was just like, no, this has to be rated R, like, how are you going to do those characters without it being rated R? Um, Zaz's trademark (laughs) is ripping people's faces off. Yeah, like, like even from that aspect, and oh man, the way that they handled that... It was horrifying, but again, they didn't force you to watch it. They showed you what was going to happen. They made you feel the tension, and then they moved visually. And, whew. <laughs> <laughs> when, when that happened and they peeled the face off, did you want a fruit by the foot or a, a fruit roll-up <laughs> too? <laughs> no? I did not, but Okay. <laughs> No, like like the way he he unwrapped the face, it looked like he was unwrapping a fruit roll up. I was like, ah, oh, that's weird. That's even creepy. That's even creepier. And we, oh, but yeah. So like a bunch of people just got to get back to the point I was trying to make initially. Um, but yeah, they they it was very controversial that this was rated R, and a lot of people said that's part of the reason why people aren't flocking to see it like they did Black Panther. And like, yeah, that definitely puts a restriction because it's literally restricted, but. At the same time, Deadpool came out in February, and that was one of the biggest action comedies when it came out. Mm-hmm. Like since yeah. then, since then, it's been beaten. But the point is, I I think it's just because Warner Brothers didn't have enough faith in this movie, and they didn't yeah. they didn't do a big advertising campaign. I I know that here they maybe a few bus banners I've seen. I know in Times Square there's a one Birds of Prey poster, like motion mm. po- poster, but I don't think they did enough, you know, pavement advertising as I'll call it. And yeah, and Margot Robbie, like I feel like they didn't let her do a big enough press tour. I feel like she wanted to do more, and I only saw her on like three talk shows mm. promoting this movie. Like that's that's the thing. They they didn't want to kill the movie, but they definitely didn't want to 
push it, it feels like as someone who's not part of it, as someone who's not like just as someone as some random person who saw it and happens to work in some media creation field. It's just it, it definitely does feel like it wasn't supported in the way that it could have been. And so for that, I feel like there's there's a lot of reasons. This happens with a lot of both uh people of color, like both with movies created by people of color as well as women and especially because this was all of them like if you look at the major uh creative aspects of it they were all it was written by a woman it was directed by a woman of color and it was starring and pro- and like lead produced by a woman and it just like a it shows in a very good way in the final product but it also kind of is like, ah, studio doesn't know what to do with this. Like, ah, let's like push it enough so that we can't be called out on it. But at the same time, like, uh, then we'll just call it a failure later and just say like, ah, see, people don't just, people just don't want to go see a woman, womany movie. And it's just like, ugh. if they <laughs> waited, if they didn't release it in February, if they waited till <clears throat> March or August, this would have done much better. Yeah, I could see that. Because Deadpool, like Deadpool 2, I think, launched in February as well. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. That feels right. May yeah, oh, okay, yep. for mm-hmm. the second one. Okay. So. Mm. The second one was. Yeah, so. And, and even then, like, with it, like, I feel like Deadpool is the movie that a lot of people are comparing this to, both from a style perspective, even though they are different. I can see why that style is there. It's that kind of like cheeky talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall and like having a good time type of like fighty movie. But they're vastly different in a lot of ways that I feel like. Yeah. So we haven't even talked about Margot Robbie yet. And I know. Yeah. (laughs) She was was born to play this role. Like, holy crap. So good. And, you heard that she did, like, all of her own stunts, right? I didn't, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> so, she has a background in... Well, I saw her in I, Tonya, and I know that a lot of that was, like, CG background stuff, but, like, you could tell she was actually doing the movements. Like, you could tell she was actually, like, working it. Like, yeah. Robbie was a gymnast as a child. She was mm. uh, an ice skater, and then she ice skated a ton for, um, for I, Tonya, and... She mm. now takes all of that. She did her own roller skating, which that sounds so weird to say. She does her own <laughs> roller skating. Um, no, but yeah, like that's it's a skill, and it's a skill that a lot of people like scoff at because yes, oh, I've been to I've been to roller rink thirty seven. I forget the one that we would go to in our hometown, but like yeah, like I've been to roller rink thirty five, roller kingdom. I've been to roller kingdom when I was six, but like. No, seriously, it is a skill, and especially to be able to do well constantly over and over again for a film shoot, that's tough. She does a backflip on roller skates. Mm-hmm. And she <laughs> lands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many mm-hmm. takes she had to do that, I don't know. But, but like, she is amazing in this, and this was, like, the mm-hmm. role... I, if, if Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix are going to get Oscars for for playing the Joker. She really needs to be considered, and this is why more comedies and action movies need to be considered for <laughs> awards. How amazing would it be if this film got nominated for mm. an Oscar for her acting? <laughs> I would love to hear that. Honestly, I feel like I'd need to see another Harley movie that gives her more, not 
depth. Depth is the wrong word, but for the academy, academy depth, if that makes any sense. That's why I think that. So in her yeah. contract, she after Suicide Squad, she signed up for five movies, two mm. Suicide Squad sequels, and three Harley Quinn-based films. So, mm. so you have this one, and then mm-hmm. she was supposed to do a Joker Harley movie, and they're still going to do that, but I think... But no Leto? No Leto? Yeah, I think... I think whoever, Oh, thank Christ. How great would it be if they casted an older Joker, and, it, and they implied that he basically this older guy is taking advantage of her? Because the rumor right now for the Robert Pattinson one... Christopher Plummer. No, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like who would be... Well, the rumor right now is Willem Dafoe. Oh, that's intriguing for a lot of reasons. Like, man, yeah, they're, they've really just broken down the whole, like, Marvel, DC, fuck it, you can be in both, I guess, <laughs> thing. Anyway, yeah. But if, if they... if they Wow. If they did a Mad Love, I feel like that would be the, the Harley Quinn movie nominated for awards. Yeah, I could see that happening. Okay. Yeah, because like, because like I say, like I really don't want to take away from the work that she did in this movie. It's just the Academy is dumb and looking for a very specific type of thing. And I feel like while she showed a lot of range in this, I don't know if the Academy would recognize the range as something that's Academy Award worthy. Um, but yeah, I think like giving her something like that, like if she was to do like an Itania style thing, I, I could see it. If that makes any sense. I mean, if the, if they did an I, Tanya reunion and they made Sebastian Stan, who is Bucky, we all know is the Winter Soldier, if they made him the Joker and they did basically Whoa. Mad Love, I want to see Mad Love. Even Paul Dini, who created uh, the character of Harley Quinn, said, I want to see Margot Robbie do Mad Love. And then I want to see her do Gotham City Sirens, and I want them to cast... Um, who, who did I think of that would have been great as... Uh, Poison Ivy. Uh, Priyana Chopra as Poison Ivy. Hmm. Why? Why do I know Priyana Chopra? Help me out. Because she was in the Baywatch movie, but she's married to Nick Jonas. Not helping. She's married to Nick Jonas. Um, she was on that TV show Quantico. She is an Indian American actress. Um, okay. Priyana Chopra. Uh, googling now. Oh, did googling you see? Now. Isn't it romantic? With um, I did. She was she was Adam Devine's love interest in the fake world. Oh, okay. No, I'm seeing pictures and I'm hearing this. Yeah, no, I'm seeing it. The yoga <laughs> ambassador in quotes. That's not a real job. But like, I I just want to see a different. Oh, who who was it? Um, on the same blank check podcast, they also said, um, Janelle Monet. As Poison Ivy would be amazing. I mean, I just want Janelle Monet to do everything, <laughs> but that's me. Uh, like Janelle Monet could do any character, in my opinion. Um, I'm so excited! So, yeah. Antebellum. I, I am too. Like I, I'm just like yeah, more Janelle Monet and horror. Let's let's do this. But if they did Gotham City Sirens with Janelle Monet, mm. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman because she's Catwoman, mm. and Mm-hmm. And Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, and they and you do the love story between Harley Quinn and, and Poison Ivy. Like, yeah, I, I'm just saying this is this is my ideal trilogy. You start with Birds of Prey, then you move to Mad mm-hmm. Love, and then you go mm-hmm. to um, 
uh, Gotham City Sirens, but they yeah. need to fire mm-hmm. David Ayer. <laughs> David Ayer cannot direct um, uh, Gotham City Sirens. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he did a bad job with Suicide Squad. Do not have him direct that film. I mean, I got to tell you, this movie, I thought this movie was so good, I actually want to sit down and try and watch Suicide Squad, which I had no interest in prior. I tried it again after mm-hmm. watching this. I got mm. five minutes mm. in, and I was like, nope, still sucks. Well, since since we're talking about Suicide Squad also, and the, <laughs> the direction of David Ayer, um, one person who came out as against Birds of Prey... Uh, which should be no shock to a lot of people if they follow comic books, is Rob Liefeld. Uh, Rob, fucking idiot Liefeld. I broke my heart with this, because I had no idea. I'm I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I, I didn't... I didn't realize you didn't know that he was kind of a kind of a jackass, uh, but yeah, Rob Liefeld essentially like tweeted out a bunch of stuff talking about how um, specifically uh, talking about how Sonic opening. I'm reading his tweets. Sonic opening outgrossed the entire first ten days of Birds of Prey file under things you never saw coming. Seriously, uh, don't buy the R rating excuse. And then he later went on to essentially say that. She looked like a sexy Ronald McDonald, I believe it was. I'm looking for the specific tweet again. But it's just like, oh, you deserve a happy (laughs) meal. (laughs) She was fucked. Yeah, like, oh, man. And here we go. The Ronald McDonald look on Harley, not so much. Stick with the winning punk rock formula, visual design, and costuming matter. There was a, when we watched it, because we watched it at Alamo, Alamo Draft House, and what they do is they tend to do a whole thing prior. You lucky. Uh, Where they... Oh my god, I love it. Um, and so they did just like a quick recap of all the characters. And like, I didn't realize Rosie Perez was going to be the question. Like, they don't reveal her as the question. She's always, I forget the name of the character, but she's always the character. But, um, Renee Montoya. Yeah, no, that's Renee Montoya. But like, I didn't really, because I don't read, but I know. And like, I, so I look, I'm tangentially familiar. And it was just like, oh shit, that's gonna be like, she's the question. That's great. Um, but yeah, uh, but more to the point. Um, Rob Liefeld. Oh, yeah. So they, they were talking about the inspirations. And one of the things. No, it was the intro to the movie. Sorry. Uh, the intro to the movie actually was just like, no. This is a thing Scott may cut or may keep in because Ashley is jumping back and forth as to her memories. Uh, but the prior to it, they were just like, okay, so... They wanted an excuse to put Margot Robbie in something that was pants, but actually just underwear. And so they put a belt on it and (laughs) said, it's like, look, if that's the look you're going for, go for that look. But at the same time, don't tell me it's pants. (laughs) Like, Which one is that? uh, The Suicide Squad one, the daddy's little monster, her, her, yeah, her little like panties with a belt. And it's just like, yeah, hey, if that's what you're going for, go for it. Sure. Why not? That's a style. But like, so... This is sort of what I hated her costumes in Suicide Squad. I loved, I love. Okay, so they released. Did you see any of the images from James Gunn's Suicide Squad? They no. They released so Harley in this one in the in James Gunn's is gonna look like Harley with she's gonna have the jester hat, but he released a photo and they had Harley as nurse Harley, which she has the jester hat and then the nurse's costume mm-hmm. when she's trying to kill Jim Gordon. 
So I think mm. that's how the movie's going to open up. Ah. They haven't released this, but I think Jeffrey Wright is going to show up as Jim Gordon, and he's going to be tied to a chair. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah I guess like so with with Liefeld and a lot of people feel this way it's like oh why why is why is clown lady not sexy for me anymore and it's just like so much of the way like there was a really good analysis and I'll see if I can find it and send it to you I don't know if I already sent it to you where they went through and showed like okay Harley is not being like if you look at even just the way that the the camera is positioned on Harley it's not boobs in center it's face in center in birds of prey Why like clown just a little sexy for me anymore? <laughs> it's just like yeah like it's like <laughs> no no now that's the t-shirt not not yeah bagel <laughs> i mean you can have multiple t-shirts friend uh, <laughs> but yeah like and and i think that's been the problem with a lot of criticism of this is like the criticism is like why isn't cloud lady sexy for me and it's just (laughs) like no the whole point is that's not the point of this movie is she's not meant to be there for your sexual consumption but boy is she sexy yeah even even dina lance Mm -hmm. when she's in the nightclub Mm -hmm. and she's singing i wish they went into Mm -hmm. it more that the reason why she sings so well is because she has the the vocal gift like that is something yeah. that both the TV show, the Arrowverse, mm-hmm. and this just gloss over, and it's like, yeah, she she can scream like a canary. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't you know that? <laughs> they did. Like, I mean, they kind of hinted at it while she was singing, but you weren't sure. I I think they did this really well if they were going to hide it until the moment that she knocks everybody out with her voice. She kind of showed it in the the nightclub moment when they first introduce her but they don't really like you don't know because of the style of the movie whether it's because uh, like if you don't know the character you don't know whether it's just the style of the movie being over the top and like the way it does or whether it's actually because she has this power and and i think that's really ingenious for people just coming in being like i don't know this like let's see this movie because i heard about it so talking about dina lance black canary i said before Uh she's my favorite character her and huntress are tough god i love that huntress but yeah (laughs) but the scene where where dina is saving harley's life because another thing that i like that they showed is harley gets drugged not once but twice in this movie she gets yeah and i i love that I was so uncomfortable. I love that I was uncomfortable when she's about to be mm-hmm. basically trafficked. She's about to be kidnapped mm-hmm. by these dude bros, these nickelback listening mm-hmm. <laughs> butt rockers. I mean, they never made it as a wise man. They Couldn't never made it as a poor man stealing. I, I love mm-hmm. that that uh, she has the moment, Black Canary has the moment where she's like, am I really going to do this? No, what? Fuck it. And she just beats the hell out of them and i love so um i don't know if you know this i my favorite genre i've said it on the podcast so many times is black exploitation and they based journey smollett bell said she based her version of black canary after pam greer who me geeking out pam greer is the godmother of 
exploitation cinema. She was Coffee. She was Foxy Brown. She was Jackie Brown. And now I just want to see them remake all of these. Like, they're remaking Shaft. They need to now remake Foxy Brown or or Cleopatra Jones with Journey mm-hmm. Smollett Bell because her kicking ass, she shoves a guy's head through a window and then shuts a door oh using his... It's amazing. Everything about mm-hmm. this movie is so good and I had chills watching this movie. So one one other thing that I really want to talk about, because God, like, it's so good. We could just keep talking about how good all of the fight scenes and all of the everything is. I made a bold statement and I stand by it. This is the best DC cinematic movie, like DCCU, whatever they're calling it, the best DC movie. DC I have seen it a very long time. DCEU that I've seen probably ever. And I am putting the Nolan movies in that category. Uh, like they, like for me, honestly, like Dark Knight is fantastic. I'm not going to take away any, anything from that. And the performances in it are great. But there are a lot of times where it just sort of lags. And you forgive that because it's like, yeah, okay, it's still a good movie. It's still really good. And the performances are amazing. And you're there with it. This movie never let up. Right. And it, it just like, it was complicated. The The action was good. It has something for everybody. And as much as the Nolan movies were fantastic, fuck, this movie is just like next level to me. So for me, it's a tie between, Dark Knight is mm. actually in the two spot, but tied at number one, Shazam and this for me are tied for different reasons. Mm. Because... Yeah, this was original and it was fun and it was creative. Mm. Where Shazam made me nostalgic for the movie Big, and like <laughs> it's big with superheroes. Yeah. I also think with Shazam because Shazam showed me that DC could make a good movie tied in their universe, and that was necessary because honestly, I lost all hope. Even like, and I'm saying that Wonder Woman was fine. I had a very controversial opinion about Wonder Woman in that it was good, but it was not great. It was fine. It was the best DC movie they had put out at that point uh, for that cinematic universe. Woman is an understatement. There is one mm-hmm. woman in that movie. You have yeah. you have Lucy Davis. Well, well, <laughs> his his secretary is you know the comic relief, but she doesn't get to do anything. Like we're talking about Wonder Woman, right? Wait. Yeah, we're talking about Wonder Woman. They spend they spend ten minutes in Themyscira, and you have all of these badass Amazons, and then they're gone after like twenty minutes. Well, there's also, uh, and I can't remember her name right now, but the the evil poison lady, uh, which admittedly was a little ableist, but at the same time, like, okay, that's part of the character is shit happened and it messed up her face um i felt they didn't do anything with her i felt like she just like right away she's like it's not my fault yeah no i i definitely hear that it's just more a matter of like well if we're talking about like oh did they exist like yeah they existed but at the same time like you're right they're really the the most memorable characters were uh aries were chris pine and were uh wonder woman herself i think the fact that we put those two and then we say wonder woman like that's, that's yeah it, it sucks because yeah and mm-hmm. and like i think the other thing that pulled me out of wonder woman was it felt too zack snydery which 
Patty Jenkins is her own director, but at the same time, because they're creating this universe and the universe is, was at that point, 100% tied to the aesthetics of, uh, of Zack Snyder. A lot of the Snyder ish stuff was absolutely visually had to be represented. Uh, like the, the slow, the slow action. And I'm just, I'm done with the slow action. I know. Just fight. Mm-hmm. I, like, why, and I think, yeah, that's why, Ooh, that's why all, all the fight scenes in this movie are great. Cause it's so good. They were, ah, yeah. Do you know who the yeah. stunt coordinator was for Tell this? Me. Chad Stileski. Tell me. Chad Stileski. Why who, do I know Chad Stileski? The director <laughs> and creator of John Wick. And he was oh that that tracks. He is the stunt coordinator for all the Matrix movies, and all of oh, the Wachowskis. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So love those love the Wachowski sisters. Oh. <laughs> Lana, yeah. Lily. I mean, they'll they'll, they'll 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 figure it out. They'll get a good movie soon. <laughs> I like Cloud Atlas. <laughs> I need to watch it. I just they they tried. It's <laughs> so weird. That's why I love it. But yeah. like. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're, we're tangenting, but yeah. But, but the fight scenes were so good in this because you have a director as your stunt coordinator who knows how... Who He basically said, Margot Robbie went up to him and she, she's like, will you uncredited be the stunt coordinator because we can't pay you a ton? And he was like, absolutely. He's, he's such a good dude. Him and David Lynch like, were consultants and they're like, you want to know how to film this correctly? Do it this way. And it wouldn't have surprised me if, like, in one scene, Keanu Reeves just shows up and is like, "Hey, do you need my? You don't need my help, okay?" And then he just leaves. I I would not be surprised and love to hear that he was actually one of those masked people that they beat the hell out of uh, in the in that major fight scene. Uh, but at the same time, nah, he probably wasn't. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to yeah. see Keanu Reeves in the sequel show up as uh oh my god what's his name he he's one of the heroes in the dcu just i would love to see him show up as like a mentor and like be like oh you don't need my help okay and then he leaves after 10 minutes Mm. i (laughs) so i'm also i'm also that annoying friend that when we're watching a thing i will critique the way a fight is shot because again, like I'm, and I'm still learning. I'm still young at this, uh, but I am a fight director, and it is a thing where it's just like, okay, if I'm watching something and I'm seeing how a fight is being treated on film, and it's different stage in film. Like there are different ways to do it. Um, but I was annoying everybody because we were watching throughout Lord of the Rings, and I don't like the way that the fights are. Uh, done in the first two Lord of the Rings movies. They kind of figure it out in the third one. Um, but everything is just shot, change shot for uh, for like the, the strike and then reverse shot again to where they were or something. It's just, it's too many cuts. It's too visually busy. And so you kind of disconnect from it. Uh, you And, you know, you don't just have to do a one shot of an entire fight to make it work. But you need a couple of connected shots that are just like that are did you see atomic blonde i got bored by it and i don't know why i really wanted to like it i love that movie so much like i loved i respected it like because the fights were looking really good and there were a lot of like really good stuff i just like i don't know something about it didn't grip me but that's my point is like they shot those fight scenes the same way they shot i mean same 
fight coordinators. But <clears throat> if you do a wide shot and you choreograph it enough, apparently for this movie, all the fight scenes were rehearsed <clears throat> and rehearsed like it was like a play. <clears throat> they did <clears throat> it over and over again. And it shows on the screen and it looks amazing. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting getting back to the plot of the movie, I love... A lot of people have a problem with the fact that Cassandra Cain, who um, the the actress who plays her is uh, Ella Basco. Do you know? Does that name sound familiar? I I'm so bad with people. It seems what, like h- help me out. <laughs> her uncle is Dante Basco. Dante Basco. Oh my God. Her uncle is Rufio. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Not just Rufio, but he's also from Avatar: The Last Airbender. He's Zuko. Mm-hmm. So she comes from this famous family, and she's great. My problem with mm-hmm. Cassandra Kane is they don't mm-hmm. hint that she could possibly be Batgirl, because that's who Cassandra Kane is. Yeah, I. She's young though. Like the whole thing is they're setting it up that she's going with Harley so that Harley can be a mentor type figure. So even though I think it honestly would have been. I think I, I I don't know maybe I would have been okay with it if they did like hint at it but right now they're just sort of like this is who this is this is a person and honestly if you know about it great google her but at the same time like we need her to fulfill this role of someone who gets the MacGuffin and from the MacGuffin uh, they find her and she idolizes the main character to an extent that she kind of needs that love that is a genuine love. Her, her whole purpose yeah. is that she swallows a diamond. We're yep. an hour into this podcast. And then the whole, the whole plot of the movie is she steals a diamond from... If you want to see the plot of the movie, see the movie. But yeah. She steals a diamond from Chris Messina. She swallows it. And what I like the best is that it, it just shows you the two different, st- like the two different personalities of, of Harley Quinn and Roman Sionis. Roman Sionis, cut her open. Harley, take this laxative. <laughs> well, and I love like when they're they're in the uh, supermarket and she basically makes that statement to Cassandra, like, look, there are two ways that this can work. And I'm grabbing both anyway. So she grabs like a bunch of laxatives and also a kitchen knife. And it's just like, I'm not telling you how to do this. I'm just saying this is going to happen. So... Let's figure it out. But I like that she says, I don't want to have to cut you open. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> like that they... they I, in, the, in Suicide Squad, Harley mm-hmm. is a ditz. She, they make her... Mm-hmm. They don't show how smart she is. They don't show that she has a PhD, that she mm-hmm. is a genius. She's, they just... They're like, oh, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Where in this one, she gets to mm-hmm. psychoanalyze people. She gets to, oh, so often, like, and it just comes out of nowhere, it seems, too. It's just like, whoa, like, she just, like, ripped Sionis apart while she's strapped to the chair. And it's just like, ah, sorry, I keep interrupting you. I just get very excited. No, no, this is a movie (laughs) Um, that, (laughs) this movie, I keep saying, I love this movie, but I know that I'm not the demographic who this movie is supposed to be for, (laughs) because... Mm. That's, kind why, of just, that's why I'm like the demographic, which mm. is you, should, should 
like, like I, I sound like such yeah. a fucking dick. <laughs> but, but, but I, I am the demographic. No, I, I just know that yeah. this mm. movie is mm. not as as a short Jewish mm. man. Um, <laughs> I, I know that that this movie is supposed to empower women, and it's supposed to be a female yeah. empowerment movie. But the fact that I left the the movie being mm. like, yes, we need change in this world. Mm. And I hope. Well, and, yeah. Mm. Go on. Well, and, and even then, like that idea of like, oh, it's supposed to be a female empowerment movie and it can be empowering. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like that always has a trap in it, even if it's not intentional. And I know that's not intentional, but I feel like there's almost always a trap when it's like, oh, this is a female empowerment movie. It's like, ah, oh, well, that means that it's like cutting off. A, a whole other segment of people like much like yourself short jewish men who might actually really like to see this <laughs> and honestly like it worked for you it works it's great um well i remember when i but, wrote my review of mad max fury road i said we need more movies like this the sad part is we had to wait six years for another movie like mad max fury road to come out yeah like, we waited so long for another Mad Max Fury Road. And like Mad Max Fury Road, it Mad Max Fury Road did not do gangbusters in the box office just like this. Mm. Like the, the comparison yeah. between both is incredible. But the fact mm. that these movies are very similar, that they have the same message, and it makes people stronger, I think that's so mm -hmm. important. This movie is, I can't yeah. say enough good things. Yeah, like please go see the movie. Um, I, I I also I had I had a point and I was trying to remember what it was, uh, but that's okay. We can move on to a different thing. Um, yeah, no. So I I just I think with a movie like this because I I always held everything up to because before Fury Road and I know that there are movies that came out before it that do this well, but before Fury Road. It was like, I don't know how to describe why I don't like watching Game of Thrones anymore. I don't know how to describe why I don't like watching this, that, and the other thing anymore. And then, like, why Elysium was fine, but honestly, there are moments where I'm just like, this is shit. Like, and after Fury Road, I was able to kind of put it into words because there is a piece like this that handles these kind of violent situations in a way that is not only entertaining but interesting and can still go into a dark place go into like lean into a lot of these bad things but do it in such a way that is not only tolerable but is actually engaging and i feel like this movie is another one that does that and it it also opens up a dialogue that we really need like this day and age mm. We need to open up a dialogue. We need to open up... Because I feel like the, the thing that's the most wrong in the world is that we don't communicate enough. And th this movie just sets such a precedent. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, the, the last thing I really want to talk about is... Does Harley know mm -hmm. that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Because I know that she names her hyena, her hyena Bruce... <laughs> <laughs> well, she the way she says it, 
I, I feel like the answer is no, because the way she says it is, uh, oh, I named him Bruce after a really hot millionaire or something. Like, I forget exactly what she said, but like <laughs> something to that degree. And it was just like, that's cute without necessarily showing your hand. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, this whole concept, like you, you brought up this idea of in Suicide Squad, her being like ditzy and kind of like flighty. And this is absolutely a thing that happens is that people look at a character like it's it's that kind of like oh why is sexy clown lady not sexy for me anymore uh it's this idea of in order to be attractive as a woman you have to be stupid you have to act stupid you have to and in a way in this movie she doesn't act stupid in any way shape or form but at the same time she acts in such a way that yes is attractive to a lot of men because they feel and they underestimate her and i feel like even the the writers and directors of suicide squad underestimated her and again i haven't seen the movie but based on everything that i've heard and based on what you are telling me they also underestimated her but they wrote from the perspective that we want the bad guys to underestimate her right uh four times four times in suicide squad she is in her underwear four times she's in a bra and that is, it doesn't advance the plot. Like, I was one of the people, when Star Trek Into Darkness came out, I was one of the people who tweeted, like, yeah, it makes no sense that they have Alice Eve in her underpants. It's, it's just to have something for the sizzle reel for the trailer to, to get people to come to the theater. Where I like her costume in this. Most of her costume, she's in a sports bra. But she... Yeah. But it's because it's comfortable and it can help her do the flips in the air. I was going to say also in a fight. Yeah. (laughs) If you have breasts, you want them to be in a place that is safe physically. (laughs) Like that's the best way I could describe that. Mm -hmm. It's clearly like Mm -hmm. they even did a Victoria's Secret tie in. Like it's clear that Mm -hmm. she was wearing a Victoria's Secret bra. And yeah. And then this, she looks like she's going to the gym. They all look like they're going to the gym and Except for yeah. Perez, who I love, I love the shirt she wears. What was it called? I shaved my balls for this. Yeah. Oh God, I loved that. That and that's another example of like. So especially as as a trans woman, there's a lot of like gender assumptions mixed with genital assumptions for people. But even then. I found it really funny and I didn't feel like it was actually like, again, like my podcast is a transphobic. I didn't feel like it was transphobic, though. I can understand why some people would be like, oh, you know, you're saying you're you're just laughing because uh, she's like wearing a shirt talking about her balls. And it's just like and it's just like, yeah, maybe. But you know what? The, The joke of the shirt is that she is a high power character that needs to show authority. And she's got a shirt that says, I shaved my balls for this. It's a like- shirt was created for this movie and it was written into the script. And once again, the script was oh. written by mm-hmm. women for women. So that line is just funny as hell. It's it, like, yeah. I, I also love how they foreshadow stuff in such a way. A lot of people had problems with the, the whiplash back and forth, changing of time. And I think. Yeah. I think that makes this movie work because your mm. your lead is an unreliable narrator because it's Harley yeah. freaking Quinn. Like, she's not mm. reliable. <laughs> but she's not reliable on yeah. purpose. She's 
unreliable because she just forgets. I mean, I, I will say I did have a friend that really did not like the movie for the first 30 minutes because everything was a little whiplashy and it was very like, oh, okay, another character that's talking to the camera and another character that's talking about their bet. Like, oh, now we're going to go back in time. And but then like after that, it sort of eased out. And even though it never like went away, that was still the, the design of the film. It was just like, oh, no, we were able to sort of move into it. And it actually worked. Um I didn't feel that way, but I just I wanted to f- express that like I have heard criticism in that and of that. Um, yeah. After you saw the movie, did you really want Mongolian beef? I did. <laughs> so, oh, <clears throat> we need to talk about this. Okay. We, we need to talk about this. Now, I can't remember the character's name. He was there very quickly. But you could tell that, that he-, he was Doc. You could tell that Doc was a trusted person in Harley's life. And they built that really well in a lot of ways. His was the deepest betrayal I have felt in any comic book movie I've ever seen. Like, wow. It reminded me of The Simpsons. It reminded me of of Krusty the Clown and how he basically... Okay. Follow, okay, I'm going to lead you through through Morador, um, and we're going to go yeah, back to the yeah, Shire. Yeah. Follow me. Great. So, uh-huh. I'm going to criticize all of your fight scenes, but, but continue. continue. Okay. <laughs> so the point of Krusty the Clown is that he tries to be, you know, have dignity and, and be uh, an actor, but he's willing to sell himself out for money. Camp Krusty, yeah. all of his products. Mm-hmm. Doc, is the, yeah. mm-hmm. Doc is the same way. Like, he will protect her, but if the, if the price is high enough, he will sell her out because he's not made of stone, you know? Mm. Well, I, I think part of it, it even just on a, a simpler level, like part of it is we as comic book fans look at comic book stories and we see this like this person who is doing good things is in a rough situation and usually that's due to them being a crime fighter and also trying to have a real life uh and so they've got someone like with luke cage it was uh, the barber shop with uh, like and there, there are like a billion other examples of this where like peter parker uh yeah, having a space and like having someone who's trusted yeah aunt may and we know that they are especially because we set them up as these amazing people who are helpful, who are good, who are there with you, you innately want to believe that they are going to protect and to have Doc just say, in a very realistic way, it felt like, and fuck Terry Gilliam, but Terry Gilliam's Brazil, like that idea of like, it's just, hey, it's a living. Like that whole concept in Brazil of just like, it's it's a living. It's just like, yeah, if they're going to give him a lot of money, this is a guy who's struggling. This is a guy who owns uh, a Chinese food restaurant. You know, it's not like he's rolling in dough. He like, yeah, if they're going to pay him money to do this, like, hey, I like this lady, but ah, that's a lot of money. She, she's like, my lotus. You feel that. Yeah. And you, I, I just... You feel it. Because, like, it, it once again... He is not made of stone. He is a human being. Yeah. He doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. He's not. He doesn't. He's not like Alfred, where he, you know, is indebted to the Waynes. He <laughs> o- fucking Pennyworth. <laughs> but he uh, he owes Harley nothing. He gave her a free yeah. apartment. 
and he gives her free food. But mm-hmm. after a while, free isn't good enough. But yeah. I do wish he got his comeuppance. I I'm kind of happy that he didn't, honestly. Like, and this and this sort of like goes into that whole idea of like, it, it it's it's tough. I don't want to see someone who is who has been struggling, and does a bad and does a bad thing get their comeuppance. Um, I kind of hope that they follow up with him in future movies, and that he's not, and that good things are happening, but he is able to find a way to uh you know just make things right but at the same time like but the, i didn't want him to get hurt either but the fact but that she at understood, the same time like ooh, yeah she understood she yeah like i've never seen that in a comic book movie done in such a way so well once like that was so what 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 and this is Help, gonna be what? so crazy the mask Okay, I I just pulled a face. I'm sorry. Go go on. It's been a while since I've seen it. The reporter, remember the reporter who he thinks is on his side. She sells him out mm. so she can pay her rent. She sells out Jim Carrey so she can pay her mm. rent because it has been a while. Yeah. Okay. John John Ritter's mm. widow is who plays Amy Asbeck plays that character. She's the reporter. Okay. And and he tells her that he's the mask. She sells him out to the bad guy because they pay her $500,000. And she goes, I have mm. to pay my rent. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's real. Like, and that's, and I think that's why the, the betrayal stung, but I don't want to see him hurt because it's, it's very real, but it's, Oh, that, Oh, that was so complicated. And that's the difference between Harley and the Joker. If so, yeah. Harley is not the Joker. She's better than the Joker. Where mm-hmm. there has only been one person in all of Batman lore who's been this close to catching and killing Batman. And do you mm. know who that is? Harley. Harley. Harley is. Yeah, I'm not surprised. One. And mm-hmm. and basically, the reason why she didn't do it is because. He, uh, Batman said, well, the Joker will be mad um, if he's mm. not involved with this, and the Joker lets him go and mm. and basically kicks her out a window. And Batman mm. gets away. Harley yeah. is the only one. She's the only one, which is proof that Harley is the smarter one. She doesn't kill Doc. Yeah. She doesn't get mad at Doc. She lets him go. And she goes on with her life and she protects the girl. And not only that, she, even though it's a bad lesson and she learns immediately that she needs to stop that lesson, she learns a lesson from Doc that it's, you got to survive. And she, yeah, ooh, ooh, it's, it's so complicated. Please go see this movie. Please go see this movie, movie everybody. Like, so buy it, give it money. It's, it's so good. Um, I know we should probably start wrapping up just because we could talk for hours. Yeah, it's fine. Um, um, yeah, so but why don't we? Why don't we? Before we get into bagels, why don't we talk about what you're working on? Yeah, and the reason why you're on yeah. the podcast, you're promoting something. Yeah, so 
So right now we're uh, promoting Scowl Laddermageddon, which is a uh, live action show that we do. It's very similar to sports entertainment style storylines, but it's all stage combat. Uh, I write them. I am currently the Scowl heavyweight champion. Uh, I portray April Rain. Uh, but Scowl Laddermageddon is going to be very different than a lot of the other Scowl events. What Scowl Laddermageddon is, is everything is culminating in a ladder match. So we are doing our first ever stage combat ladder match. Uh, for those that don't know what that is, we hang the title from the ceiling. You have to climb a ladder and pull it down to win. Now, what separates Laddermageddon from a normal ladder match is that it's going to be four or more people. And you can eliminate people by pinfall or submission. Uh, the only thing is, the only way to win is to pull the title down from the ceiling. So you could run up the ladder immediately, do that and win. Or you could eliminate everyone except for yourself and one other person. So it's going to be a good time. It's happening in New York City. But right now, if you go to bit.ly slash laddermageddon, two Ds in ladder, two Ds in geddon, uh, you can donate to us through Fractured Atlas. It is a completely, like, honestly, if you donate through Fractured Atlas, you can uh, claim it on your taxes, which is amazing, especially because, I mean, we all pay taxes, I assume. We all pay taxes. Uh, and Not Wesley Snipes. Yeah, now Wesley's probably not going to give us money, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, if you pay your taxes, you they take out a certain amount of your taxes anyway. And if you use your personal money to help us buy safer flooring, buy a specific ladder so that we're not using a random ladder so that we know that we can keep that safe, uh, as well as helping us pay our uh, administrative costs, our other costs that pop up, uh, as well as help fund our actors, then you can literally claim that on your taxes so that that way you can say, I've already paid this, so give me a refund. We all get money that way. <laughs> and this makes me, um, it makes me so mad that I don't live in New York anymore that I can't go see this. Um, well, the good thing is, though, Scott, what I do with all of my Scowl productions is I put them up online. Uh, it might take a little while because I do all the editing myself, uh, but we record two or three uh, two or three of the live performances and then edit them together as one final production. So you can see all of our past productions. You can see Fight for Your Rights if you want to learn the stories of these characters before going into Laddermageddon. You can see Cry for the Moon so you can see our uh, last person standing match that Jack, that London Jack and Carmilla Helmont had in Cincinnati. All of the stuff you, even though you're not in New York City, even though you can't make it to New York City, you got, you're busy, you got a job, I get it. But even if you're not there, eventually you'll be able to see all of the fights and see the stories that we are building with Scowl. And knowing that YouTube page, that was what we call, folks, a setup. <laughs> so in the show... <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, in the show notes, uh, I'll have the YouTube link and I will also have the donate link. So people should be donating to the show, just like we did uh, last year with Ashley's other shows. So you need to basically see this for yourself what you accomplish is so amazing and i am so proud of you and oh yeah so as we get to the end how many bagels are in the bagel basket for harley quinn okay before we get into that i am pissed that adam adam tickets or amc tickets changed the title of the movie everyone thinks that it was the studio changed it it was not the studio that changed it 
the studio still has on its docket Birds of Prey or the mm. fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Mm. It was Adam Tickets that changed it without permission from Warner Brothers. Yeah, which honestly, okay, whatever. But at the same time, like, yeah, like if you see the movie, you can see why it actually works really well that it's Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harlan Quinzel. Um, so for me, all the bagels, all the bagels are still in the basket. I haven't eaten any of them. I've been just thinking about this piece because that's that's what it is, right? It's if they're all in the basket, it was good. If they're gone, then it's bad, right? Yep. Okay. Oh yeah, all bad, all bagels. I think maybe a few bagels got added to the basket and nobody noticed. I'll give you, I'm taking out one. I'll put it in your basket. I'm only taking out okay. one. That's where it went. That's where it came from. <laughs> I, I'm taking out one because I just I wanted this movie to be a little longer. It's only an hour and okay. forty nine minutes. This this could have been only. It could have been two hours. Yeah. I I feel that we we need an extra ten minutes mm. for just a little extra backstory on um, Cassandra Kane's character. I wanted a little mm. extra backstory there. I wanted to see a little more similarities between her and Black Canary because it was clear that mm. Black Canary was helping her out because she came from this family life. I just wanted yeah. a little more of that. But other than that, this movie is just perfect. Mm. Yeah. No, and what what a world where only a hundred only a hundred and forty only an hour and forty minutes is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> we needed an yeah. extra 20 minutes mm-hmm. on this movie that yeah yeah i mean it didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was an hour and 40 either it flew by like it, if it was two and a half hours i would have sat there and been like oh okay i don't know maybe the the stuff that they would have put in would have made it a slog but like yeah no this was this was boom yeah i also would have watched amazing. i would have watched margot robbie dressed as harley quinn read the phone book too <laughs> One Alan A. Abernathy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Alan's a good guy. I know him. Oh, no, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, I, I just love everything Margaret Robbie is doing lately. Um, yeah. Did you see Bombshell? Did I see Bombshell? What is Bombshell? No, I guess I didn't. That's the one, <laughs> that's the one she made with uh, Charlize about um, uh, Roger Ailes. Oh, I am interested, but I also am not because fuck Megan Kelly. But at the same time, it looked interesting. Yeah, I think if it was made, I think if it was made in two to five years from now, it would be amazing, and I would be there immediately. But it's just like ah, I feel like it's too recent. I'm just like I'm good. I can just Google what happened right now. I only know one person. Yeah, I only know one person who saw it. I wish I saw Mm -hmm. it because I heard. uh, Margot Robbie's amazing. I wish she got nominated for um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because she was so good at Sharon Tate. Mm. Just, mm. I I can't say enough good things about her in this movie. You know what? I'm I'm yeah. full full dozen. I'm putting another. I'm putting. Yeah, another. there we go. This movie is just so go. good. The more I talk about it, the more I talk myself into giving it. And Ewan McGregor, man, he needs uh-huh. he needs to be doing way more than he is. Just everything about this movie. Everything. Ugh. It it felt like a good Boslerman movie. And I I I, I, <laughs> I hate Boslerman. I've said on this podcast he is my sworn enemy. And he doesn't even know it. He's uh, like, Why are you mad at me, mate? <laughs> like But 
this just felt like a good Baz Luhrmann movie. Oh my god, no, just go see it. What, whatever you need to hear, assume that's what was said. Just go see the movie. Give it money. Like, it's very few things are worth your money. This is worth it. So, Ash, why don't you uh, give out your where people can find you on the podcast, your podcast... Yeah, so in addition to Scowl, I also have two podcasts. Uh, the Is a Transphobic podcast, which is a podcast where we look at media and ask, is it transphobic and is it enjoyable? Because sometimes it can be both. Uh, you can find that bit.ly slash is it transphobic or at is it transphobic on all of the social meds. Uh, we also have The Right to Play, which is a new one I've started with my good friend Gina Femia, uh, who is also a playwright. Amazing. My favorite playwright of all time. Uh, you can find that bit.ly slash right to play pod. Uh, as well as at right to play pod uh, on Twitter. And yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. AshleyLaurenRogers.com, ScowlFight.com, uh, all of the things. I'm promoting so many things. <laughs> there's always something going on with Ashley. <laughs> well, you can find us at on the Twitter, Instagram at Writer's Bagel Basket, or on Twitter at WRTRBAGEL. BSKT or go to curlandonfilm.com for the latest episodes of this fine podcast. Please give us five stars on whatever you're using Stitcher, Apple. I don't care. Just listen to the podcast and give us a good review. Um, Ashley, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. No problem. So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. Bye.